Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord. Welcome to Pendleton Church. Fill out your friendship card so we can get to know you. We have a gift for our visitors here at the Connection site. I hope you guys have a great day. Enjoy the service. We have two opportunities of ministry on our clipboards today. One is to help with our, our Niagara Falls dinners. If you'd like to help with that, there's a clipboard that goes around. We send that around once a month. The second is for our rummage sale, you know, the junk, I mean, the stuff we, I mean, the treasures we sell here that you don't need anymore. Uh, that will be coming up in a couple of weeks. You can start bringing your things, if you'd like to, a week from tomorrow. Don't bring them before then, but a week from tomorrow. And by the way, if you have to have lost a jacket or a coat, there's a lost and found section out in the coat room, out in the, the main coat room, out in the fellowship hall. And you know, there's a rummage sale coming. So, you know, get them or lose them, you, you follow? And I'm checking the ones that fit me, so uh, we, we do encourage you to do that. Next Sunday at 1 o'clock, we're going to have a gathering here of people who are interested and in looking into the possibility of starting new churches, congregations, faith communities, things like that. If that's something that has been touching your heart or you think you'd like to hear more or know more about, you're welcome to join us next Sunday at 1 o'clock here at the church. Shall we take a moment to turn our hearts to the Lord in prayer? Dear God, we do thank you for this morning, and we pray your blessings upon all that we do. Help us to focus on you, Lord. Take all the distractions, all the thoughts, all the issues of this day, and push them aside for a little while so that we can just experience the glory of God. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you to stand, if you're able, as we're going to sing together, How Firm a Foundation.
Take a moment, if you will, and greet your neighbor with the peace of the Spirit. Kids, come on up. Come on up, kids. Kids, come on up. Kids, come on up, guys. Come on. All the kids, come on. Come on. There's lots of you. I know there's some kids here. Morning guys, how are you doing? How many of you think that you're stronger than me? Anybody here? You think you're stronger than me? All right. You're right in front of me. I should have done this before I got here, right? Got to be an end of this rope somewhere. All right. If you're stronger than me, you take that under the rope. Go ahead. And pull. Go ahead. Come on. You're stronger than me. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay. What I want you to do is keep that under the rope. Now start walking that way. And everybody grab a hold of the rope. Grab a hold of the rope. Everybody grab a hold. Just go on down the rope. Go on down the aisle. Go down the aisle, guys. Go down the aisle. Adrian, help him walk down the aisle. There they go. Go down the, go down the aisle, guys. Go off the platform. Everybody go on down there and grab, grab a hold of the rope. Okay, wait a minute, guys. Stop right there. Okay. Everybody wants a hold of it. You got to get down on the floor. All right? All right? One more down. Let, let one more get down. All right, very good. Okay, everybody stand up now. Stand up. Are you ready? Let's see who's stronger. Ready? Pull! <laughs> All right, come on back. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. <laughs> Boy, that was different, wasn't it? I didn't last for two seconds. What was the difference? What was the difference? Yeah, you think you could take me, huh? <laughs> Everybody thinks they could take me. You know what? The truth is, I'm stronger than all of you. But I'm not stronger than all of you together, am I? No. You think you're stronger than me, huh? Go ahead. <laughs> all right, gotta quiet them down one way or another. All right. Okay, see, the truth is, together we're a lot stronger than we are separate. You know, that's why God gave us a church. So we'd have a place where we can all get together and bless God and be blessed by God. By not just God, but also by each other, all right? What are you thankful for this morning? If you want to share something, you can go ahead and raise your hand.
my mom and dad and my family. My mom. Friends and family. Friends and family. My sister, my brother. My, my mom and dad. Food and water. My baby sister. My mom and dad. Mom and dad. My mommy, my daddy, my grandma, and all my family. My friends and family. The Lord. I talk with God. My cousin. Everything. Friends and family. on us and bless all those things that are wonderful in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to try and do this carefully. I want the hot chocolate with God's kids to slide to the side, and those of you who aren't in hot chocolate with God can go out to church school. If you want to go out to church school, you can go ahead. Miss Pam is waiting for you. Some more can stay too. Yep. This morning, I do want to mention just quickly that we have a special offering envelope in your, in your bulletin this morning, which is for our youth ministry that we do up in, up in Lockport. It's a great outreach to young people who are kind of on the borders of life. So if you'd like to give a little something extra to help with that ministry, we call that to your attention, along with your morning tithes and offerings. This morning, our hot chocolate with God and our s'mores are going to share our thankful moment with us. So good morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Adrian Almeida, um, or as everyone here knows me as Mr. Adrian. Um, on Friday nights, we run the s'mores. Uh, me and Miss Adrian runs the hot chocolate program for the girls. Um, she started just about four years ago with only 10 girls, and I started about two years ago with only a little under 10 uh, boys, and here we are today. Um, we have just over 100 kids today, and what you see here isn't all of them either. They're not um, all here. So while it is a large group, they do get opportunities on Friday nights to spend time in a small group and um, where they're led by some of the youth here um, who help them in devotions and leading them in games and activities. But instead of having me talk, we're gonna have some of our members talk and tell you about it. Good morning, everybody. My name is Kylie, and I'm a freshman at Iroquois High School in Alma, about half an hour away, and I'm a member of the Hot Chocolate with God program. I'm a group leader for the little first grade girls, and before I came to Hot Chocolate with God, I wasn't really involved in a church. I had gone to my fair share of vacation Bible school camps and around elementary school, but I never officially belonged to a church. My cousin Grace has been at this church since she was born, and she was the one who got me to come here. I tagged along for one of the meetings and fell in love. I had never really believed in myself, so I thought I wouldn't have much time to put faith in God. This program gave me a sense of family, and this family has taught me so much about who I am and why coming to church and having faith is so important. This group is truly a blessing. Without hot chocolate with God, I don't think I would believe and have faith and trust in God like I do today. Everyone that's a part of the program is so amazing. Mr. and Mrs. Adrian are such amazing people and are great at what they do. <laughs> 
All of the leaders are so fun and smart in their own ways, and even the little ones teach me a thing or two every Friday night. You guys are totally worth the half an hour drive. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Cassie, and I'm a senior at Niagara Wheatfield High School. Uh, I'm a member of First United Methodist Church in Niagara Falls. Uh, this is my first year doing hot chocolate with God. Unfortunately, my church doesn't have many kids' programs. We don't have a kids' Sunday school class anymore. We don't have youth group anymore. So um, I was really thankful that Miss Adrian approached me over the summer. She asked me if I would be interested in becoming a leader for Hot Chocolate with God, and I accepted the offer immediately. Uh, it was probably the best decision I've ever made. Through this program, I've met so many wonderful children, and I have made so many new friends. I'm thankful for every one of these kids and every one of these new friends that I've made. Uh, but most of all, I'm thankful for Miss Adrian. Uh, if it weren't for her, I don't know where I'd be right now. So I'm just really thankful for this program. Good morning. My name is Austin Dick, and I'm a freshman at Lockport High School. I was confirmed here when I was in sixth grade and then became involved in the many programs our church offers. Last year I was asked to be a leader for s'mores. I wasn't sure what to expect, but I thought it would be fun. I've always enjoyed being a leader for VBS, so I decided it would be a good choice for me to do my part as a member for my church. When we arrive, we share a meal together and get to know the kids at our tables. Two teen leaders at each table encourage younger kids to learn about each other. After dinner, we separate into small groups of up to six kids with two to three leaders. In the small groups, we discuss and help each other learn how to live as God wants us to. After our discussion, we do an activity based off the lesson. Then the entire group joins together and shares what we learned. After sharing, it's time to dance. It's always fun to watch and dance with the kids. We end the night with a group lesson in the fellowship hall. Being a leader has helped me grow closer to God and my church family. I'm so thankful that my church has a great program for young people to learn about their faith. Good morning. Uh, my name is Steve Sosnowski, and uh, with my wife, Kim, and my daughter, Caitlin, uh, we've been members here for about 10 years. Uh, my wife and I came from different religious backgrounds and needed to find a church we could call our own when we found Pendleman Center. Both my wife and daughter were baptized here, and we have been so happy for our daughter to participate in weekly activities with uh, Sunday School, Vacation Bible School, and now Hot Chocolate with God. The world is not exactly becoming an easier place to raise a child, and I am thankful for Miss Adrian and her team to create an environment for the girls to let them progress in their development and who they are while reinforcing their faith and all the qualities it takes to be a good Christian. The leadership team takes great, sets great examples for all the girls with kindness, good manners, generosity, and sharing nature that is evident in all they do. I remember assisting one evening, and before... <laughs> Before the night was even over, I had a thank you note in my hand. How sweet is that, and where does that happen? My wife and I do our best to explain the world, the situations that occur, and why people act and do the things they do. We are so thankful that our daughter has a program to be excited to attend with other Christian girls that are equally as excited to be here and with each other. Nothing warms my heart more when my daughter on a Friday night is anxious to go to church and sad to leave. 
world is not going to get any less complicated as she grows, and I am so thankful that she has witnessed by example and reinforced with her hot chocolate with God family the tools required to be a good example for others and what good Christian girls should act like. My name is Javon Carney, and I'm a member of the Pendleton Center United Methodist Church. I have been coming to this church for a really long time. I am sure you all know of, about the kids program called S'mores. S'mores is a really good program because it teaches kids a lot about God. This program has really helped me grow closer to God. I would like to give a big thanks to Mr. Mrs. Adrian and Mr. Adrian and all the teenagers that help out to teach me about God. Because of s'mores, I hope I can teach others about God. Hi everybody, my name's Dave Buds. This is my wife, Melanie. This is my daughter, Sienna, and my daughter, Bailey, and we attend the chapel, and they come to Hot Chocolate with God. I'm thankful for Hot Chocolate with God is, um, because I get to learn about God and have fun. I'm thankful for Hot Chocolate with God because I get to see kids from my school after school and learn about Jesus with them. And then I know that I have friends at school that are Christians. And also I get to make brand new Christian friends. And I'm... And I'm thankful for it because if we think about the simplicity of Christianity, it's about intimacy with the Lord. Christ died so that we could have intimacy with the Father. We could have access to him. And the pastor just said that together we're stronger doing that than we are alone. So dads, hopefully we know how crucial it is that we are in fellowship with other believers in the word of God. And moms, hopefully we understand that too and we're doing that. So as a parent, to drive up on Friday nights and to see my daughters in fellowship, in Christ, in the Word of God with teenage girls, other girls their age, other boys their age. It's an amazing experience. So they're being cultivated into that intimacy, into that fellowship with Christ that is hopefully something that will last with them as they grow. And the best story I have is one Friday night I had to pick them up alone and I drove up and it's dark so the, the windows are lit up and you can see all the kids in there. And they are just worshiping and dancing away like crazy to worship our Lord. And I just sat there in the car with tears running down my face as I watched my little girls dancing with older girls and celebrating their love for Jesus. It's really cool. So yeah, I'm just so thankful for this group of kids and youth that just come together every Friday night. They're just able to share and grow in their faith. Um, thank you, guys. We are thankful for, for Hot Chocolate with God, for the kids who are part of it, for the leaders who are part of it. It's a wonderful program. God has blessed us through it, blessed our children through it. God has blessed us in so many ways. We take a moment, if we can, at this time in our worship to share our thanksgiving with our morning tithes and our offerings.
Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise for this day and for the opportunity to gather together and worship you. It is why we have come, Lord. We thank you for the blessings that you have poured out into our church, that we can reach out and be a blessing to children, to adults, to everyone, Lord. We just ask that you bless this offering. Give us wisdom to know how to best use it for the furtherance of your kingdom. Help us to reach many, because we desire, as you do, for many to come to salvation in Jesus Christ. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> A wonderful joy to welcome all of those young people and the folks who are involved in, in the ministries in this church, how special it is that we can reach out and draw in so many um, from all over the place, you know, and just minister the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We have some folks that we need to be keeping lifted up in prayers, um, along with, with the joys that we have before the Lord. Um, we have a couple of people who are going to be going in for surgeries this week. We want to lift them up um, to you. Um, Jan Gertz and Chanel um, DeJesery and um, other folks. Um, there are other folks who are recovering from surgeries. Some of them are, are here in the house today, and that's a blessing and um, a testimony to answered prayer um, on, on the part of, of God's people as God leads. We need to lift up the um, Hendages family as well. There's stuff going on. Cliff Hendages, who is Phil's brother, has had a heart attack and he is in the hospital. And Sharon is still recovering from her broken shoulder. They say, she says they won't let her wear the sling anymore. They want her moving it and using it, but it's still, she's still in recovery and it's been a long recovery process. Um, and Roy Leonard is also, um, he's been out for some time. He had broken his ankle very badly last fall and spent a long time in the hospital and in rehab. And now he is at home and he is recovering. So if you would keep him in your prayers and uh, you know, maybe give him a call. I know he'd love to hear from, from some of us from the church. Uh, with these concerns and those that are on your heart that we haven't named out loud, shall we turn to the Lord in prayer? Heavenly Father, it is such a blessing to come before you, to know that you hear us and that you answer us, to know, Lord God, that you want us to be aware of all of the things that we're blessed with and all of the things that you want to touch in our lives and in the lives of the people we care about. Lord God, we lift up to you all of those folks who are sick and recovering from surgeries, who are infirm in any way, Lord, we just ask that you touch them with your healing power. Touch them and make them whole from the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet. Touch them in their spirits, in their souls, and in their bodies, Lord, each and every one who is in need. We just pray in Jesus' name that they be made whole, in you. We pray for those, Lord God, who are grieving losses of all kinds. We just ask that you would give those folks hope. Bring into their lives people with words of compassion, words of comfort. Bring into their hearts and their minds beautiful and precious memories 
and the hope of eternal life. Father, we lift up and pray for all of the children and the adults who are involved in, in the ministries in and around this church, especially this morning, s'mores and hot chocolate with God. And we pray also, Lord God, for the youth and the leadership that is involved in the Alive ministry up in Lockport. We pray that these young people will grow in grace, that they will grow in the wisdom and knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they would find the hope of the call that God has set for, the, for their lives. I just ask in Jesus' name that you would speak to each and every one of us. Let us know what you call us to do to support those ministries and also to reach out to others wherever it is, Lord God, that you call us. Give us the wisdom and the understanding to do what is needed for your kingdom, to do what is needed to lift up and support your church. Help us, Lord, to be more like Jesus as we hear your word, wash over us and transform us. Be with Pastor Tom as he delivers the message. Let it be a blessing to him and a blessing to us. Lord God, we just pray in Jesus' name that you make all our worship to be a blessing to you. That is why we came. We gather together to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we hear from the word of the Lord? Morning. Today's scripture lesson comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Thank you, Bill. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, it says, If my people who are called by my name 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. If my people called by my name. Did you note that? Not if the people who don't believe in God, not if the people who have no interest in God, not if the nation will, if my people, the people who call themselves after my name. God has a mission to bring heaven to earth. We pray it every week. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God has established an intention to reach out from heaven itself and wash over our entire culture, our world, our nation with the wonder, the grace, the love, and the blessings of God. It's like a river that flows from heaven itself. Revelation chapter 22 actually speaks of it. It says, the angel showed me a river of water, of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, the river of life. In North America, a river is born amidst the thin air of 14,000 foot peaks dropping nearly three vertical miles. Snowmelt water carries the memory of the Rocky Mountains. Through frozen meadows, forested shoulders, and rock-walled ravines, it tumbles past the land of dinosaurs and the arched canyons of nine national parks, bringing life to the deserts of America's Southwest. Stretching 1,500 miles across seven states and two countries, this river is the lifeline for 36 million people and over 4 million acres of farmland that feed a hungry nation. Rivers bring life. Without the rivers, we would dry up and die as a people. We have the mighty Niagara. We have the Buffalo River. Been in that lately? The rivers that bring life, and God brings us life from his heavenly throne through a river. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what are we doing here? Why do we exist? What's it all about, Alfie? Most of you don't remember that song, so it's okay. What's the point of our lives? In the 42nd verse of this passage, which is about the foundational understanding of the church, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. What do we devote ourselves to? What do we commit our lives to? What are the things that are most important to us? What do we pass on to our children? This passage is about values. It talks about learning. It talks about friendship and God and worshiping God and what we achieve and helping the poor, building the church, sharing about God in the world. Talks about values. What are the values that we hold as the highest? You, most of you should have gotten a piece of paper on the way into church. If you didn't get one, raise your hand because I'd like you to get one. Um, it's helpful for the sermon. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. I've got a couple and I'll catch a couple people up front here. 
What I want you to do, these values come right out of the Bible. They're, they're not, none of them are wrong. They're just different. So, I got one. <laughs> so what I want you to do is I want you to take these values, and if you see the little line next to it, I'd like you to put a check mark between the ones you think are the five or six most important values in your life. What you consider to be the five or six most important. I got a hand up still over here in the front. Five or six. You should be able to do this pretty quickly. You don't have to rank them in order. Just put the top five or six. Some of you are quick, and some of you are not. <laughs> Five values, maybe six values, that are the most important out of all these that came right out of the Bible of God. Because I want to talk about values today. That's what this passage speaks to us about, and that's what I think we need to work on the most. Because I've got to tell you something about the river. The river is struggling right now. The river is having a lot of difficulty, particularly in our country. In our nation, the river is struggling, and I mean the river of God. The river of God is, 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 is failing. It's best seen in, in its manifestation, not its only, but its best manifestation in this world is God's church. But the church is struggling. A couple years ago, I read in the Buffalo News that 100,000 people in the last decade decided not to go to church anymore. 100,000! Now, considering that there's, there's only about 400, 500,000 people that were attending church, that means one out of four people who used to go to church don't go anymore. Just decided it wasn't worth the time. Churches across the country, it's not just in our area, churches across the country are struggling. I talk to my friends who are pastors, and most of them are experiencing a contraction of the church. I have people who say to me, that they came to this church because they want to come to a church that they figured wouldn't die before they did. That's frightening. Because we're seeing the churches turned into condominiums and office parks and all sorts of things that were not the intentions of God. The river is struggling. And it's because our values, our goals, are not matching up with God. The goal, according to this passage, is that it will draw the world to God and that all of those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. God was adding to their numbers daily those who were being saved. And I'll tell you, in my opinion, I think God in some ways is subtracting daily from a lot of what we call churches, the people who used to go there. Because we're not living towards what God wants us to. Revelations, they actually had letters they wrote to the churches, and one was to the uh, church at Ephesus. It says, I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. You've lost your first love, and the first item on our list, on our chart of values, should be what? God. It should be God. That shouldn't even be a question. You should have marked that one first. If we call ourselves followers of God and say that he is our God, I have a feeling that God may be killing some of our churches simply because the values aren't quite what God wants them to be. Now, this is just my opinion, and you can, you can tell me I'm wrong, and that's okay. I don't mind, because it's just what I think, but I've kind of studied this. This is what I think the Bible says are the most important values in order. 
I think God would put it down this way. Some of you might be surprised to find families so far down. It's not that God doesn't value families. It's that God values other things more importantly than a lot of the things that we might value. This is what I think most of the churches in America value. Now you might argue with me, but I think most churches, and I've gone to many of them, where I ask you, ask them, what is their main goal? And that is to grow or to stay alive or to have enough money to pay the bills or to be comfortable or to be healthy as a church. Somewhere they mention church. To have the right value systems and to stand for the things that are right or wrong. I go there for my friends. I go there because Pastor Tom sometimes puts on a good show. Right? You never know what he's going to do. He's had camels in the church. Somewhere they get around to God. But that's a problem, isn't it? And by the way, don't think I'm just, you know, tooting the horn of our church. I think we've got some values a little off, too. This is what I would say is the value system of our church. I really would. I honestly think sometimes we put the church above God. If God wanted us to do something that we didn't think would help our church, we might argue with God about that. We worry too much about whether our groups are big or whether we've got enough people, whether we're successful. Somewhere we do get to God, and by the way, it's not as far down as some people would put it. But we put some things above where God would put some things. Some of the things God thinks are most important are quite a ways down on our list. I'm concerned. I'm concerned because the churches are struggling. They're getting messed up, much like the rivers in our nation. And uh, it is also on the most polluted river and on the East Coast. And this, what we're looking at is coming from a combined sewer storm drain overflow that flows out from 100,000 families upstream about half a mile. And they run for about, the outflow pipes run you know, into the Anacostia about three or four of them for the next couple miles up. But uh, anyway, we got paper and all kinds of flotsam and plastic bottles. Doesn't it look like something you want to go swimming in? How many of you remember going swimming in a river or a creek when you were a kid? How many of you want to jump in that one? Yeah. How many have ever gone swimming in the Tonawanda Creek? That's just right down the road here. I used to do baptisms in the Tonawanda Creek. Around here we call it the Erie Canal as well. I don't know if you know, but there's a ledge on the Erie Canal. It goes out about, about three, four feet. That's when they dredge it. And you can go in and it's about up to here. But if you go in there, you'll find your legs covered in some black gunk that comes up to about here. I don't know what's in the black gunk. Worries me what's in the black gunk. That's why we don't baptize people in the canal anymore. Because it's a nasty place. Weird stuff has come from who knows where to mess up Tonawanda Creek and to mess up our rivers and the river of God is getting messed up too. By what we're putting into it, by what we're making our priorities, Christians should make their top priority being devoted to God. And that makes us part of God's river. It says that we need to grow with others, to worship with others, to be in fellowship with each other, to spend time together learning about God, praising God. It says that they met every day to talk about and spend time with God. Not a little time, but quite a bit of time. They build a caring community. 
You know, care and love is probably what the world around us is looking for the most. Somebody once said they won't care what we know until they know that we care. It says that they ate together. We do that, don't we? I think we eat together all the time. In fact, I think there's a gathering after this service if you want to go out. It's for everybody, by the way, not just hot chocolate for God people. Everybody can go. they got cookies and stuff. Eat, have a good time. Talk with each other. When we eat together, we smile. We're happy. And we spend time getting to know each other. It says that they actually ate together in each other's homes. Is that the way we see our homes as places for hospitality and gathering folks together? Or do we see them as islands where we can get away from those crazy people out there? Don't come near my house. You think I bought two acres of land so that I could see you? Well, they didn't. They were real. They practiced radical hospitality. Radical hospitality. They shared with what they had, what they had an abundance of. If they didn't need something, they sold it. And then they used it to help the poor. Kind of like a rummage sale, which, by the way, in about a week and a half, two weeks, we've got to actually have some things you don't need. You know why the ladies put on a rummage sale? It's not so that they can go out to lunch on you. They, they use those funds to help people in need, in our community, around the world. They cared for each other. They took care of each other. And they didn't share because they, they had to. They shared because they wanted to. The river used to be the place where people gathered back in the day. You went there to get clean, you went there to clean your clothes, you went there to get your drinking water, you went there to socialize with people. People would go down to the river. Let's go down to the river and meet with each other is what they'd say to one another. And that's where people gather. Would you go down to the river now so that you could bathe? When we go swimming in the river, what do we do? We come home and take a shower. Right? Would you drink the water? Do you remember when you were young drinking water out of a creek? Not anymore. That's how we want it. Bottled up, purified, individual. It's my water. I own it. By the way, we think we can do that with God, too. Water was meant to be free to everyone. It was meant to be available to everybody. Why do you think God put rivers and lakes and streams all over the world? And it'll bubble up out of the ground so people can freely drink what they need to drink. You know what they're going to bottle next. You do know what's coming next. The air we breathe. They had a little kids movie about that a while ago. They're pretty right on. There's cities where they sell air. It's coming. And we sell water. And sometimes, I think, we sell God. We think that it's, it's about somehow uh, being successful, and so we've turned God into a commodity. It says that they gathered together with glad and sincere hearts, joy and sincerity, not suspicion and negative things. In some ways, I think that the church has gotten too slick, too worried about everything being perfect, too worried about everything being just right, too worried about how people are dressed, too worried about what people say, too worried about how perfect everybody has to have. And we walk into church feeling like we gotta, we got to watch everything we are and everything we say. What do we value? The truth is, what we say we value is not even what we live to. I think this is what America lives to, Christians live to. They'll say that they live to God and church and sharing with others, but I think really, what do we say to our kids? 
What do, we, what do we show to the world around us? When we have to make a decision, what comes first in our lives? What will we choose over the other? We move to Florida because it's good for our health and who cares about our families? Don't tell me that we put these things above what we don't put them above. When we set aside the church or friendship or helping the poor or doing what's right, we kill the river. Psalm 46 says, There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God wants us to share a river filled with gladness, with hope, with love, with dreams, with possibility, with caring and nurture. Amen? You don't see anywhere in this passage words like hate or self-righteous or perfect or victorious or proud or vengeful or even righteous anger, which is the one I love to hear from Christians. Righteous anger. Yeah, no, you're just angry. That's all. You're blaming God for it. The people of, of this world, of our culture, of our churches, want to hear about the joy of the Lord, the love of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the hope that God gives to us. We've got enough angry people in the world already. I read the other day about this girl. She's driving down the road and pulls up to a stop sign. You ever do this? You can't figure out who goes first? You know, you sit there for half an hour going, right? Oh, no. No. Okay, I'll go, right? But she went. This guy got so mad at her, he chased her down. He gave her the Hawaiian hello sign. You know what I'm talking about, right? And she's like in the car going, you know, like, like you're supposed to do. So she pulls in the parking lot where she's going, and this guy pulls in, gets out of his car, comes up, and is screaming at her through the window. She said, I finally had it. I got out of the car. I yelled at him, and I got back in the car, and I started to cry. Not cry because the guy got all over it. Cry because, really? We got a world so angry that we're going to worry about who went first at a stop sign? Who cares? Who cares? Is life so, so radically important as to whether you go first or not, that you're going to chase some poor woman down into a parking lot and scream at them about going first at a stop sign? Go ahead! Go ahead! Why do they think they wave? They're afraid you're going to take out a gun. Really? We don't need any more anger. We don't need any more yelling and screaming and blaming and telling everybody what's wrong with the world. We need some joy, some hope, some sincerity, some people who want to spread love and grace. Amen? Because the river is dying. And if the river dies, we die too. All the rivers are dying, even the mighty Colorado. Its water and the passage of time have linked arms to create one of the most loved canyon landscapes on earth. It is also one of the most disputed. The Colorado, known as the American Nile, flooded its delta for six million years. But today, not a single drop of its flow kisses the sea. It is diverted, dammed, and tapped. As more straws pull from this treasured resource, the words of Mark Twain ring out. Whiskey is for drinking. Water is for fighting. So who fights for the river? Who stands up for this lifeline when it runs dry? And who works to bring her back to life? Who gives the river and her voiceless creatures a 
a voice at the decision table. Water is fighting. God gave us so much water so that we could freely drink it, share it, and give it away. But we're destroying the rivers. I don't spend a lot of time talking about the environment, but I'm worried about this world we live in. We're destroying it at every single turn because we have to have, have to have, have to have. We have to live in the middle of the desert with green, beautiful lawns. We have to try to defy the very ways of God. And we're doing it to the river of God, too. I gave you that list of values from the Bible. This is what I think is the list of values from the American culture. And if you'll note, they line up pretty much with what I think the church thinks rather than the other way. Right? What do we think as a culture? What do we work toward? What do we hear should be our main concerns? And you'll see what's at the bottom. What should be at the top. You don't believe me. You know, 15 years ago, I was told by a lawyer that if somebody goes into court, the two people they want to have with them to testify are police officers and pastors. Because their testimony is considered above reproach. So I was told 15 years ago. 15 years ago, the most respected institution in America was the church, as it had been for 100 years. Now the most respected institute in America the military. Second to the military, probably going to fall pretty soon. The police. After that, business. So what do we respect? Money and guns. Really, that's a little frightening, isn't it? I got nothing against the military. My wife works for them. I, I respect the police. I, I respect business. But honestly, whatever happened that the church dropped down so far? That's because of what we've done to the church to where now. What does it even mean? I was watching a TV show, and this woman wanted to get married, and she said she wanted her friend to do the service. He says, I can't do a service. She says, oh, just go online. You can be ordained in 10 minutes. It took me six years. How to get a master's degree. Are you serious? You can get ordained in 10 minutes, whatever. You can be a member of the church of whatever. Because that's what we think of God. That's what we think of the church whatever. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. All the believers helped their things in common, and if somebody needed something, they sold their property to give it to them. Every day they continued together in the temple courts. They broke bread together, and with glad and sincere hearts, they praised God. What do we put into our faith? What do we receive from our God? You don't believe it or not, there was a time when I was a four-sport athlete. This body was buff. I mean, I'm telling you, I could bench press over 400 pounds. I was strong. You know why? Because I spent three to four hours a day conditioning myself. On weekends, I'd spend more time. And at night, just for the heck of it, I'd do 100 push-ups and 200 sit-ups. I could not do 100 push-ups without the sit-ups now. The problem is not that I've gotten old, which I have. The problem is that I don't work on that anymore. 
I think it's a giant accomplishment when my wrist buzzes because the Fitbit says I've walked 10,000 paces. I'm like, Yahoo! Which I do most Sundays, by the way, in case you're wondering. If we don't put anything in, why would we expect we're going to get something special out? If we put a couple minutes into God a day and we put in maybe, if we have time, if it's not inconvenient, if there's not something competing with it, if our kids don't have some activity, if we, we don't have some place to be, if our family doesn't cost to do something else, if we don't have to work, we may put in an hour a week, maybe. Why would we expect signs and wonders and miracles to occur? And believe me, we don't need part-time Christians getting part-time results. We need a church that sees signs and wonders and is awesome. Amen? We want a church that's doing incredible things. We want a church that is changing lives and transforming the world. And we can do it. They were together. They were together. And being together, they created incredible things. I've seen it happen. I've seen people in the ministry that I've been a part of, this church and elsewhere. I've seen people physically healed. I've seen people emotionally healed. I've seen people psychologically healed. And I've seen hundreds spiritually healed. From the brokenness and pain and negativity of this world, from the disappointment and discouragement and anger and pain into joy and happiness and hope and possibilities and feeling good about themselves because somebody says they're okay. They don't judge them by how they dress or what they say they were or what they've done or what their job is or what they've accomplished. They just embrace them as children of God. And they're healed and they're transformed and they're changed. We heard the children talking about it today. Imagine what would happen if we could change the world in the same way. And the truth is, we can. The river was meant to flow. The river was not meant to be contained or dammed up or diverted or put into a pipe or stuck into a bottle. The river was meant to be free. And the river of God is meant to go out and transform the world to not live in here, to get stuck in some little room or some building, but to live out into the world and the culture around us. There's some little colored papers in the back of the room, and we've been giving those out every week. We're going to keep giving them out. You can put them on those strings up there. Put them in a basket or just do what you want with them. What they're about is you making the decision that today you're going to be a part of the church out there, not just the church in here. And that happens when we change the church in here. Jesus said, if you try to gain your life, you'll lose it. And if you lose your life, for my sake, you will gain it. Isaiah spoke about the river. He said, I'll make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I'll turn the desert into pools of water, the parched ground into springs. God can bring it back. God can bring life back into our world. But we don't fix the river at its end. We fix the river at its beginning. Anybody know where Tonawanda Creek starts? It's out in Wyoming County, out where my cottage is. I go over it. It's just a little, little tiny creek. It flows pretty clear out there, although I see them. Before it gets about, about you know, even, even one mile, it's already being filled with junk, which flows downstream. So we've got to fix it where it begins. I'm all for fixing fixing the, the uh, older people in our culture, and I'm worried about them. You know, they say that 40% of senior citizens, when they die, don't have a church. That worries me. That bothers me. Especially since those of you who are baby boomers like me are all senior citizens. You know we can get a discount at IHOP for being a senior citizen. So think about it. But, the, but as much as I want to fix our generation, and I'm concerned about them, the most important thing we need to do is, is start at the source. 
We say that it's important for us to reach the least, the lost, and the little ones. You know why we want to work so much on little children, on teenagers? Because if we change them, we change the river for the rest of our lives. If we change them, the river will flow. We'll be celebrating with them. We'll be watching the signs and wonders, no matter what happens to us. If we transform them, we transform the world. So we're starting at the beginning. It may seem impossible, but we think it can be done. I'm Scott James, and I, along with Scott Dabb, are part of a live youth group that's down over at Christ Community at Genesee and Pine over in Lockport. We work with 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, and one of the things we're trying to do with these young people is to bring them into youth group and get them into a situation where they're not trying to bully, they're not trying to fight, and after that we move them on into trying to learn about Christian ideas. Most of them know what the Trinity is now. At the beginning of the year, I only had one person that knew the Lord's Prayer, and now I have about five. And by the end of the year, I hope to have all of them know at least the Lord's Prayer and what it means to go about praying. In the next year, we hope to take them on retreat, and we hope to get them to a point where they know a little bit more about what it means to be a Christian and what it means to follow Jesus and get along with others. people would say, what would it matter? How could I make a difference? Rivers are made up of drops of water. And little by little, they become a river together. And they can change the world. You know how hot chocolate and s'mores began in our church? Jill Kelly, that's Jim Kelly's wife, sent me a book called Hot Chocolate with God. She didn't have to send me a book. She just sent me this book. I looked at it and I said, oh, this is for kids. And I tossed it to Barb Jeffords. I said, See what you can do with this. And she looked at it and she shared it with Adrian, who changed children's lives. All because somebody decided to put a drop of water in the river. We can do the same thing. Our church, together, affects thousands of people. The church affects billions of people every year. Every drop makes a difference. It's not about changing the government. It's not about changing those other people. It's about changing who we are, becoming different from the inside out. Because if we live inside out, the world will take notice. Remember, I did this once before. The church has to start living inside out, right? Don't worry about criticizing everybody else. Keep that stuff to yourself because you're the one who needs it the most. Take all that judgment and self-righteous and throw it on the inside and put the love and the hope and the possibilities and the dreams and the joy that you want to experience. Throw that out to the world and see if the world doesn't change. And we'll bring the river of God back to full strength. And we'll watch the power of God transform our world and restore our lives.
followed you. I don't always make you first. I mix up my priorities. Forgive me, Lord. Help me to live as I should. To change my life. To change the little ones who follow after me. To change the world. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, God will make his church happen. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. It's not a question of whether there'll be a church. It's a question of whether we'll be a part of it. Well, we'll be able to see the glory, the magnificent things, the signs and wonders, the awesome transformational joy and hope and blessings and promises that God offers us. And God says we can live into that future by starting today to put away the past. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. God invites us to the table to celebrate, to celebrate all that God has done in our lives, to celebrate all that God wants to pour out into our lives today. Everyone is welcome at the table. If you love God, earnestly repent of your sin and seek to live in peace as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are welcome here this morning. So come, come and receive all that God has for you. Come. Receive Jesus into your heart and into your life. Come, receive a new infilling of the Holy Spirit so you can go out and share that love with everyone. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Thanks and praise, glory and honor are rightly yours, our Lord and God, for you alone are worthy. In time beyond our dreaming, you brought forth life out of darkness, and in the love of Christ, your Son, you set man and woman at the heart of your creation. You loved the world so much that you sent your only Son to bring us life eternal. Dying, he destroyed our death. Rising, he restored our life. And so we praise you with the faith of every time and place, joining with the choirs of angels and the whole creation in their eternal hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We thank you, Lord, that you called a covenant people to be a light to the nations. Through Moses, you taught us to love your law. And in the prophets, you cried out for justice. In the fullness of your mercy, you became one with us in Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us on the cross. You made us alive together with him, that we may rejoice in his presence and share his peace 
always. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and he gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave you thanks and praise and he gave it to his disciples saying, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread. And in the power of your Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray together the prayer Jesus taught us? Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those serving this morning please come forward?
United Methodist Church is that we believe that the table of, of God is where God is present. So everyone should be welcome at it. It doesn't matter if you've been here before, this is your first time here, young or old, you want to come to the table of God, it's open for you. To the rail for prayers for healing or to light a candle, come and join us with God.
know, some little baby laughed or giggled or did something over here and the whole place cracks up. <laughs> a little girl, they smile at me when they're coming up for communion and such. And I just smile. You understand, we can learn from them, grow from them, take a glimpse into, into paradise through their eyes, through their lives. We need to work with our children, with our young people, to raise them in the values that really matter. How many times do we catch ourselves saying, get a good education so you can get a good job, so you can make a lot of money, so you can be a success and nothing else matter? And so they throw away their family, they throw away their health, they throw away their God, they throw away their church, they throw away the river. God is calling each of us to find that place where we can change this world, transform it. I know you can do it. Shall we stand together and sing the church's one foundation? which at least was justice, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus said, I'll tell you a better way to believe. Love one another. Do unto others as I would have. Let's try that again. You know how it goes, okay? <laughs> I've been talking a lot. You say it. Do. Good. At least you knew that one. <laughs> the platinum rule. That's the golden rule, the platinum rule, which my friend Len Sweet shared with me the other day, is what we need to share with the world, which is go out and do to others what you want God to do for you. Go out and live in this world the way you want God to live with you. Bless others the way you want God to bless you. Forgive others the way you want God to forgive you. Love others the way you want God to love you. Do unto others as you would have God do unto you. And the world will jump in the river. Go in his peace and grace. <laughs> 